I've been working through Evangelion. Real good. We don't have to talk about that. And Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. My nightly routine this week has been watch three episodes of Evangelion and then wash my brain out with Auntie Donna's uh, <laughs> big old house of fun on Netflix. Everything's a drum. Everything's a drum. It's pretty funny for people like us. Yeah, know? I am upset that you surpassed me on well, you watch much more than I do, so you could just slip it into your schedule. Um, the only thing I could slip into my schedule lately was this show that we're here to talk about. Oh. And... What are we talking about today, Steve? No. <laughs> are you going to ask me? What are we here for today? Well, Steve, today we're here to talk about the five-time Emmy Award-winning Netflix series. It won Emmys? Yeah. What? It's a technical achievement. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know what it won, but that's what it said online. Uh, The Netflix animated series, Love, Death, and Robots. Love, Death, and Robots, Volume 2, just came out a few weeks ago. They can't call it Season 2 because it's significantly shorter than Volume 1 or Season 1. And so they're probably going to expand on that. Yeah, they're going to have more for this volume, I believe, next year. So instead of one single drop of 16 or 18 episodes, they're doing half now and half later, which some people are fine with some people wish they just had it all because yeah we live in the age of instant gratification i know for one i wish preach it brother i had more good stuff inside me now uh (laughs) you can always have more good stuff inside of you but yeah i watched that immediately when it dropped because i was a big fan of the first season a couple years back when they dropped that it's unlike and i had always intended on watching it yeah. And well, you intend on watching all things. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it's irrelevant. But this I have had on my watch list since it came out. Mm. And now that you've just finished all of it, can you tell me a little bit about it? What is it? What is Love, Death, and Robots, Stephen? Well, Gabe, uh, it's a sci-fi show. Animated. It's not just sci-fi. Yes, It's it mostly is. sci-fi. It is all sci-fi. Well, it is a show, an anthology series built on multiple short films uh all having to do with sci-fi 100 percent sci-fi everything degrees of sci-fi yeah everything is sci-fi genre sometimes loses its meaning nope uh, not here <laughs> gabe just doesn't know how to describe the show for himself so he's relying on me well then i'll i'll elaborate let's see sci-fi two seasons <laughs> and the internet is the final arbiter of truth <laughs> Tell me something that's not sci-fi. I would say science fiction is the bulk of it. And it's not always mutually exclusive, but we do get a lot of fantasy. We get a lot of horror. And we get comedy and drama and romance. We get a lot of everything. All usually in the sci-fi world. All right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you keep going. You, you keep talking about no, it. No, no, you go. This is your show. You brought me here. I have nothing relevant to say. You brought me here today. We could just read the Wikipedia. Wikipedia? Wikipedia? Wikipedia. It's a wiki. Hey. (laughs) This cast is going splendidly. But yeah, so Love, Death, Robots is a series produced by, amongst other people, David Fincher and Tim Miller. Tim Miller. They'd been workshopping ideas for over a decade. They wanted to do a spiritual successor to Heavy Metal, the classic 1980s. I don't know what the right word would be. Campy, maybe. It's It's an old, like, horrific science fiction anthology film animated a lot in the same tone as the show they've created where it's very visceral very borderline pornographic in terms of the graphic detail but it's a cult classic so they've been trying to get something made for a while a film to follow that up 
And eventually, as Netflix does, they were handing out blank checks again. And David Fincher has already had a great working relationship with them. So Tim Miller said, hey, buddy, let's just get some Netflix bucks to make our shit. And they did. And so they got it made. And like we said, it's a, it's an anthology series produced by Blur Studios, I think primarily. For, uh, for people that don't know, can you define anthology? Yeah, anthology just means... In this context, every episode stands on its own and doesn't really have any overarching plot elements to the next. Right. Usually, anthology series will go a season at a time. For instance, like Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story or something like Fargo. Those are anthology series. The show. Yeah, where each season stands on its own and doesn't have a lot of tie-in with the rest of the series. So This show is a little unique because every episode is like that. And they're all short, usually ranging between like six minutes to... Maybe 18 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. And with the exception of a couple Easter eggs, one, for instance, in the second season where there was a, a store that was in both. Mm. Uh, it was in two different episodes. There really isn't anything tying these episodes together. They're more just for animation studios to flex their muscles. So you have a bunch of studios producing varying different styles of animation from 2D to 3D and... All the D's in between, all the halves. There's a lot to offer here. Blur Studios is the big one here because they've been producing animated films and cinematics at the highest level for a long time for all kinds of clients. Like, for instance, video games. They did a lot of Star Wars cinematics for that MMORPG Star Wars did. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, they're really good. So, And all these episodes are also, most of them are based off of classic science fiction literature, short stories, you know, stuff like... Oh, really? Alistair Reynolds, Philip Gillette. I think that's how you say his name. Bunch of stuff. Some of them are original. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's the that's the basic gist of it. What were some of your favorite ones? I just watched it all back to back to back, like so I didn't have any two year gap or I didn't watch it like you. Sensory overload? No, I, no, it's just I to me they all both volume one and volume two blend together for me, so what are some of your favorites? Yeah. Most of my favorites are from the first volume because it was larger. And it had that novelty of being, you know, of the first season, which was 18 episodes. It was much longer. Some really interesting concepts in there, stuff like Beyond the Aquila Rift, which I think is one of the episodes most people think of immediately because that was one of the more space opera episodes where you have a ship going through interstellar travel and they're able to tell this story in about 15, you know, 20 minutes of this crew who is you know, thrown out in deep space and they have to figure out what's going on, what's happening, and then it ends in a very horrific Lovecraftian way without giving too much away because that's that's something you should see for the first time without knowing what's happening. There's a lot of nudity in this show, by the way, which can be sort of jarring, FYI, for anyone that decides to watch it because I didn't expect it. A lot of adult... It is strange, mostly because the thought will probably cross your mind at some point. Like, somebody had to animate this sex scene, and it just... That's sort of strange. Yeah. Some of the episodes are pretty hot and heavy. Sexy. You could tell just from watching the trailer, if if this does sound vaguely interesting to you, listener, (laughs) that it is a very adult-themed show. It's called Love, Death, and Robots because there's some sex, there's plenty of murder, and there are lots of robots. Sci-fi. Yeah, it's a lot of sci-fi. <laughs> you, um, hate me, you hate me. I don't hate you. I just think it's a, a reduction to just call it science fiction because a lot of it is, but there's so much more. 
but it is mostly 95% science fiction. There are other elements of other things, but any genre in any movie or work generally can be reduced. But that reduction doesn't mean that that is the entirety of what it is. It never does. But for dumb idiots, sci-fi is the genre this would fall in. And that's our audience. Stupid, dumb idiots. <laughs> anyway, other great episodes in season one. One of my favorites was The Witness, which I honestly don't even know how to describe the animation style, but it was very... It looked very similar to Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Constantly moving and foreground and background things are bl- almost like blending into each other as if the animation was constantly changing the landscape, everything about it. It's really cool. Yeah, it had like a sketchbook feel to it. Like way less polished than Spider-Verse, but yeah, that same kind of feel. And then so the second volume was much shorter and the one that really stood out to me there was Pop Squad, which Steven wasn't really into because one of the... It was well made. It just, it was horrifying. One of the plot points is um, the death of children. and The plot point of that whole episode is the death of children. Kids, little little kids, like six-year-old kids. Children. Four-year-old kids. Childs. Women and children. And that was Gabe's favorite episode. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a mix of Blade Runner and Road to Perdition, which are two great movies. And so it really tickled my fancy. And that was one of the animations that was directly done by Blur Studios. So, you know, top of the line 3D modeling and CGI, what have they. Again, I, I couldn't really break down the technical aspects of this because I don't know much about animation myself. All I know is that it was very good to look at for the eyes. It was very pretty. That one was, uh, the main character was voiced and modeled after Nolan North, who does, you know, a ton of voice acting. So they got the best people to work with them, and it was just a treat to watch. Can't wait for the rest of the volume. Yeah, maybe you could talk about some of the people that are in this, because there's a lot of popular, well-known actors that are in this show. Yeah, across the whole thing. They even got Michael B. Jordan to do an episode in this volume, which honestly... (laughs) Wasn't one of my more favorite episodes because there just wasn't much story. It was a survival episode, survival story. It was Michael B. Jordan surviving as a yeah as a malfunctioning robot is trying to. It dis- reminded me almost exactly of that Black Mirror episode, the black and white one with that robot dog that was chasing, hunting down those people the whole time. It was literally that, but shorter. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that was called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It was the same exact thing. I was like, why did they just do this again? Only Michael B. Jordan was trapped in a room and he was uh, <laughs> like a broken arm and stuff. There was uh, an episode in season one with Topher Grace and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which was, I think, probably the only one with live yeah. action characters, Yeah, which was an interesting twist. They had a... Although some of them look like, like the Michael B. Jordan one, for instance, looks like a live action. Yeah. the But we think it's animated. We, we don't know. <laughs> The graphics were so good that <laughs> Michael really Michael B. Jordan was photorealistic to the point where you couldn't tell if it was actually shot with a camera or inside of a computer. Too true, my friend. Too true. A few other favorites. Most of my favorites are in season one. I couldn't tell you if it's just because it was longer, if it was just a higher quality across the board, but there was a Zima Blue, which was a phenomenal 2D, very interesting art style. Very reminiscent of the original Clone Wars short series that sort of art that yeah uh, Tar- i think it was tarkovsky who did samurai jack and he did the uh, early 2000s tv yeah, star it, wars yeah it looked a lot like that yeah and i that's what that's me trying to think of words to describe it a lot of straight lines <laughs> <laughs> yeah every animation style 
as Gabe said, is different. So like some of them could play off as more childish or childlike, something you might see in like a, a children's animated movie. And others are more trying to capture the realist, like a like a cinematic you would see in a very adult video game. So the Zima Blue one was, even though it was dealing with heavy existentialist topics, it had some of the more uh, childlike animation, I'd say. Even though the things that you're seeing are not childish if that yeah, makes it sense was, it was it looked kind of cartoony compared to yeah, the other more cartoony the other incredibly realistic stuff that blur for instance is doing in the series but that's fine and there was one episode who did a similar thing in season one where it gave me a lot of avatar the last airbender vibes you remember that one called good hunting that was my favorite episode from season one where in a fantastical setting it was so cool there's a young boy who's you know it might be in china or somewhere alternate past earth where there's a lot of mythical creatures running around and so this young boy has to help this wolf spirit girl who she's like don't fall in love with me and he's like i will i won't but then he does yeah and she has a bad time and he builds her a robot body it's pretty cool very cool very steampunk yeah and then she goes and gets revenge big legend of Korra, republic city vibes but yeah there's a lot of great standout episodes across the show everyone's gonna have different favorites depending on who you talk to what people are into so we just wanted to throw some love in that direction because there there's just uh not a lot of stuff like this focused in one place and so easily accessible like netflix has done so it's cool to see them taking risks even if you know it's not much of a risk for a mega corporation yeah i mean i liked a lot of the same stuff you did i liked another one called sucker of souls i like the animation style in it it was again a 2d animation but it played on the idea of dracula and kind of making dracula to be this i don't know monster that looks a lot like the monster from quiet place or something hunting these people in a cavern i mean i liked zima blue as well from season one again the ideas that it introduces are fascinating and very thought-provoking mostly just around the idea of what is art and then i liked a lot in volume two there's like a few that really stood out to me i loved the one about a guy who is essentially immortal and has chosen to sort of live in exile in the desert it's on some planet or something. And people keep hunting him for his immortality. And they want to kill him and kind of dissect him so that they could harness that power for themselves. And then he meets someone who essentially has a similar sort of immortality and they fall in love. So every episode has either love or death or robot. Sometimes it has all three. Sometimes it has two. But usually it's going to have one. So the love plays out a lot here throughout it's kind of like a running theme throughout the whole show as well as death and robots even though some don't even have robots and then the other one i really liked in season two i actually really liked the giant one a lot i know you said people really were bagging on that but i liked that one it was very introspective like you said and slow but i love that they didn't try to answer where that giant came from and but they just kind of talked about the ideas around it it reminded me a lot of like uh listening to someone read me a story yeah, I think about that one often. Yeah. Uh, even though I wouldn't call it my favorite, it lingers in my mind. Yes, I agree. Yeah, a lot of these do, actually. They linger in my mind. That's a great way to put it. Because a lot of them are really, they're very jarring. They kind of upset the norm. They do fascinating things that kind of get your brain thinking. And the other one I really liked a lot, and this is just solely because I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. But it was a stop-motion animation where these two kids wake up thinking they hear Santa 
and they go downstairs and it turns out to be this terrifying monster alien monster thing who is acting as santa claus it totally puts a spin on it very much uh nightmare before christmas vibes Good. Uh, yeah <laughs> it was just so jarring it's just not something that you expected i mean i guess i should have while watching this show expected it but it was really fun just a twist on christmas the the christmas tradition there's a couple i really didn't like like there's some ones i just like i really hate this luckily they're all short so yeah that's true that's why i would encourage people to check it out if they're into that yeah and continue to watch because some you're gonna you're gonna hate like the one that i think a lot of people like called sunny's edge i really didn't like that one i like that one because it gave me uh evangelion vibes just to talk about that a little more (laughs) monster fighting is always cool but it didn't quite have the philosophical punch that the others did it was more just of a pure you know plot driven little sci-fi story so the monsters were the coolest part yeah and then um like i really didn't like the dump one where the guy lives in the dump and he has the trash monster friend the pixar dump (laughs) yeah and then oh i really didn't like lucky 13 the main character in that was uh, one of the main actresses from Handmaid's Tale. Her name's Samira Wiley, and she uh, plays the best friend of Elizabeth Moss. She's really good in that show a lot, and she was good in this. I just that episode really didn't do it for me. And there was another one in season two or, or volume two. Roomba. That was <laughs> well. First of all, I hated the animation style. It was pretty uh, un, uh, not good. <laughs> it might have been the worst episode yet. I, I thought it was cute and funny, but it was just, I, I had a hard time looking at the faces of the character models. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was scary. <laughs> Did you notice how similar that episode was to the Michael B. Jordan episode? It was like essentially the exact same thing. Yeah. Actually. And I thought for them to be so close together, they're like five episodes apart. When you got to the Michael B. Jordan one, it totally just dropped off because I had already seen the stupid one with the idiots. Anyway, the shows can be really, really good, and then it can be really, really bad. So I don't even know what kind of recommendation that is. But the good is worth sticking around for. Yeah. I didn't personally hate any of them, but there are, you know. Oh, man. Some of them are rough, like really rough to get through. Yeah, most of these episodes you're listing just don't have the philosophical punch that really stirs the loins, like Zima Blue, where there's there's like an emotional weight. Uh, and message there but i think i think anything to have worth should have emotional weight yeah it can't be based solely off of technical feet alone like just because it looks good and the action is good i mean i'm not here to see a fast and the furious film i'm here to you know you need to take me in and tell me a really gripping story in the time that you have that's what a short film's supposed to do so i think when a short film fails in that way it really epically fails because they only have that much time you're essentially only getting a very quick story beat and it's out like you're getting like one or two scenes that build upon themselves and it's that's all you have to tell that story and so when you don't have something that has emotional weight to it or any sort of meaning what was the point of that yeah it's hard to do short films short stories but some of them like like even the baby killing one they have the potential to be you know, to win awards for the storytelling. They're so well told. The baby killing one. Blade Runner baby killing. Pop Squad. Yeah. So that's Love, Death, Robots. When is the new volume supposed to come out? Sometime next year. They split it up just so they could get a more consistent upload, I guess. Instead of once every two years, it became, or might have been longer than that. They'll do uh, shorter installment 
each year. You have to keep people subscribed. So more on the way. What would you rate it? A plus? A, B? It's tough to rate an anthology series of short films, but... Where does this rank on something? On, on my personal interest level? Yeah. For the length of time I was putting into it, it's a, like an easy, like, A minus. Okay. But that's just because I'm such a sucker for horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah. And I've always been interested in short stories just because you can really get some crazy stuff Yeah. with minimal investment. For sure. Yeah, I think for me, it would probably be closer to a B plus. But if there was something between an A minus and a B plus, like an exact 90% or something, I'd probably be that for me. Very good. I'm really glad I watched it. I'm excited to see more. I'm excited especially because I don't have to watch 26 episodes back to back to back to back anymore. So. But you can. I watched the first season like before the second season just to watch it again because... I'd definitely watch select episodes this time yeah, if I, I did c- it again. I couldn't remember a lot of it because they're so short and then watching it again was pretty fun. So anyway. Here's the uh, little sound at the beginning of the episodes. The, the bumper. The little intro bumper sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 